The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to another edition of our Detroit Lions Q&A live on the Locker Room app. Happy to uh, have a, a full room this week uh, with a bunch of eager fans to talk about OTAs week two. Myself and Eric Schlitt were there this week on Thursday. Got to see a bunch of interesting things happen at practice. Got to see uh, our head coach in a, in a space helmet. All sorts of fun stuff. Uh, so we're here to talk about it and answer any sort of questions you got. My name is Jeremy Rissman. I am the editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit on Lion on Twitter. And as I mentioned before, Eric Schlitt is with me at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. He's the managing editor over at Pride of Detroit. Managing editor, how are we doing? I'm doing good. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a little awkward without Ryan. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm somewhat sad. Yeah, I mean, we we kind of. I think we just wanted to have a beat writers only chat. You know, just <laughs> you know, have the experts in here. Just kidding, just kidding. Uh, we we love we love Ryan, and uh, he has an excused absence. Um, he's he's a uh, Jamie Collins of sorts. Um, not not having that specific uh, excuse, but you uh, threw me off. I thought there was something happening. No, I didn't no, know no, 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 no. He's as far as I know not having a child, but uh, is excused, um, and we we'll have him back next week, I'm sure. But anyways, um, if this is your first time listening or joining us live, we do live Q and A's. Um, we like to bring people aboard. This week will be no different, and we already got a bunch of people queued up, eager to ask some questions. So let's start off with Jason. Jason, how you doing, man? Good. How Thanks about for yourself? Us. I'm doing good, doing good. All right. On your superlatives podcast, you mentioned that the Matt Prater uh, kind of dismissal, not bringing it back, was one of your – your head scratchers and it was mine. Yeah. But no one's really went like in depth. Like what's your thought on reasoning behind it? Cause I mean, we all know the NFL is a game of like really close games. So, you know, especially us over the last couple of years, we've seen him carry us between him and Stafford. So like, what do you think is the reasoning behind letting someone like that go when he's been so really good at what he's been doing. 
Uh, great question, Jason. Uh, I, I gave my thoughts a little bit last week, and I'll, I'll go more into them first, but I'll let you have the first word, Eric. Yeah, I, you know, he had a bit of a down year, which is was still not overly like bad, right? right. Uh, but I really think it came down to money, um, and it's really. If that's what it was, I, I think they could have found the the extra coin in order to come up with it. Uh, you know, he he's only, he's got a cap number of only about two million dollars this year. Uh, he signed a two year deal with Arizona, and the next year it's four and a half. And so, uh, other than than that, I, I mean, I really think it's just a money situation. They didn't want to invest in that spot when they were already, you know, like I think they kind of said. There are certain spots that are going to have to go on the back burner, and, and they, I think they looked at special teams and said, yeah, we're, we're going to have to save money on that because we want to invest money in other spots. But uh, it was a, that's a tough pill for me to swallow too. But, I mean, there's I don't think there's any real reasoning other outside of money that I can justify because he wanted to be in Detroit. He had roots in Detroit. The, the, the organization liked him. Uh, but – it just uh, it didn't work out, and I, I, I uh, beyond money, I can't really figure it out. Yeah, yeah, because like, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Like, I, I mean, because you guys have mentioned it too. It's like he would have taken a discount. So, yeah, probably. I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess that was my thought. Is just I know you're not thinking you're going to win, but you could probably lock him up for a couple of years and have some you know, stability there. Whereas we know when you don't have stability there, it's it's kind of a train wreck. Yeah, and and it's not like they're they're going younger too, right? Like I, yeah. Randy Randy Bullock is younger, but he's thirty two. I mean, it's not like you're getting a a kicker for them for the future in Randy Bullock. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a head scratcher for me for a reason because I mean, like you look at Randy Bullock's contract; he's one point seven million cap hit this year. I mean, that's point that's three hundred thousand less than you'd be paying for Matt Prater. And then obviously, I mean, mm-hmm. next year. As you mentioned, Prater's goes up to four point five million, and, and maybe that's that's the sticking point. Is that Prater wanted a couple of years, maybe, and, and the Lions weren't willing to commit a couple of years to a guy who might be on the downswing of his career and pay that much when you know even even next year they're not going to have a ton of money. Um, they'll certainly been a, be in a better position where they they were this off season, but um, I, I guess maybe they're just looking down the road with the cap and, and they weren't willing to fit fit Prater into those plans. And you know, at you know fourth and two on the thirty-five, you know he's he's not going for it. So there's a sure three points right there too. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe that makes the lines a little bit more aggressive on fourth down, and that would be a, yeah. a, a happy byproduct for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the Rams, uh, and I hate to always you know refer back to them, but like that's really the the school of thought that 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 Holmes has come from, and they don't really have a kicker on, on their roster either. They invested in their punter and um, the kicker. They've just kind of like they kind of think it's an afterthought. I, I I'm interested in in looking at like you know the success rate of these some of these guys and and maybe that's a project for the for the summer that we'll have to look at is like how much money is worth it before it becomes like uh before you start losing on your investment at the kicker position Uh, i value it highly but it doesn't seem like uh brad holmes does yeah that's what i was thinking too all right jason appreciate the question man uh if you have anything else, feel free to join back in the queue. And uh, and and yeah, it's a uh, it's 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 a head scratch for a reason. But uh, you know, yeah. we're we're still in the homes we trust period. I guess so, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll let one slide. Uh, I love listening to you guys. 
Thanks for having Yeah, appreciate the compliment there. Uh, let's move on to John. John, can you hear us? What up, Jeremy? What up, Eric? Can you guys hear me? Yep, yep. loud and clear. Awesome, awesome. I, I'm proud to be the only but biggest uh, Detroit Lions fan born and raised in Los Angeles. Uh, I've been oh. reading you guys, bo- both of you guys, for years, so I'm really excited to see the collaboration. Um, oh, nice. Anyway, uh, so I've been all in. I think the the whole Lions community has been all in on this Campbell hire. My one question, I I believe in the leader of men's style, except when I look at the teams that are winning every year and the teams that are in the conference finals, teams that make it to the Super Bowl. It seems like the coaches of those teams tend to be brains guys. We're talking Sean McVay, Andy Reid, Bill Belichick the smartest guys in the room rather than leader of men guys. Although of course they have great leadership qualities. Do you believe that Dan Campbell can, you know, stay on the same brain level as those guys schematically when, when push comes to shove, or do you think that's an area where the lines will be slacking moving forward? This, this is a great question, John. And I, I mean, obviously I think some of this came up with, with the helmet stuff too, is, is, is being silly, you know, the, the right look for, for the head coaches these days, because you're right. Like I do think there's at least uh, a perception that um, the best coaches in this leagues are, are the, the X's and O's type. And, and I think we can all agree that that's not where uh, Dan Campbell's strengths lie, but he's got a coaching staff and, and the coaching staff, I think does bring that pedigree and, you know, based on everything I've heard, based on everything I've seen at practice, Dan Campbell is delegating the kind of X's and O's and, and, and brain train stuff like to, to you know, all, I mean, he's letting everyone else do their job. And, and if that means him kind of taking a backseat on some of the X's and O's, like, I think that can work. And I don't know if there's a great example of that maybe maybe you have one, Eric, where, where that sort of, you know, delegation style works, but I'm not. I'm not ready to say it has to be this way for for a head coach to have success. I, I tell you, the the one players coach that stands out to me is, is Pete Carroll. Right. Uh, he has consistently, you know, been the type of he's had the type of approach that that Dan Campbell has, where he's okay and willing to have fun, but he's also. You know, uh, he knows when to be serious. He, there, there's some delegation amongst that uh, front office and the uh, the coaching staff. Um, you got to remember, Pete Carroll has a little bit more he has control over a lot of that organization, um, more so than than John Schneider, their GM, and and so you can see his influences in the front office as well, where there's a lot of collaborative learning. And um, I, you know, I, I think if you're if you, if you're a Lions fan, you're you're looking at Carroll's success and you're saying it can be done. Um, and we just had the smartest man in the room, and that didn't work. So um, you know, I, I'm the optimism. The optimist in me is saying it can be done. It's just you know, how long will it take? Do you have to build trust? What are the other factors that go into it? Right. And I think. So, go okay. ahead. Oh yeah. So, just, so it seems. <laughs> You, you got this. <laughs> All right, perfect. Uh, so it seems to me it's it's incumbent on Brad Holmes to build up the All Star roster that you know you can that you, that you can use the leader of men to keep together and keep at a at a high optimistic level uh, to to be playing at a focused level the way that Pete Carroll can. Even if Pete Carroll can't make an average team great, he can make a great team keep together and keep focused. That seems to be the idea here. 
Yeah, there was a couple of things that worked really well for Seattle, and that is, one, they hit on their uh, mid and late round draft picks, and they had a, a slew of really good coaches. And you have that, if Brad Holmes can continue to supply Dan Campbell with guys that hit in the mid rounds, then yeah, you, you can build a blueprint like Seattle. Yeah, and then I guess the other the other point I was going to make, and, and maybe it's another concern that the Lions ha- fans have, is just like, they have this great supporting cast of, of coaches now who can bring some of that X's and O's acumen. But I guess the concern is, well, what if they lose them? Because all we've heard really from, I mean, they're, they're, they're grooming Deuce Staley to be a head coach. He's at least going to get an opportunity to interview, you have to imagine, the next couple of years. Aaron Glenn is a guy who, I mean, if you listen to anyone who's, who's watched him talk or listened to him talk or sat in a room with him, says that guy's got head coach written all over them. And – those are those are issues down the line. It's not it's not going to happen overnight. And um, but but we've already seen like Dan Campbell can recruit coaches. And yeah. and you know there there isn't going to only be one Aaron Glenn. There isn't going to be only one Deuce Staley. There there are guys waiting in the wings that that have the credentials, that have the smarts, that has the the X's and O's um, that that could come right behind them. And you know if you look at how coaching staffs work, if if coaches get promoted and leave for higher positions at other jobs, then other coaches see that and they want to go there because that becomes a factor. You see this in college all the time, right? And you see it in the NFL. Why do you think so many people keep taking shots on Patriots coaches? You know what I mean? It's because they see guys getting promoted. So they want to go there so that they can get promoted. And so, yeah, it's, it's scary to look at like losing coaches, but at the same time, if you're, if you're promoting and elevating, giving people shots, coaches are going to see that and they're going to want to be a part of that yep awesome yeah so it seems a little bit like the lines are trying something truly experimental here so i'm really excited to see how it plays out thank you thank you both for your time yeah no problem john and i think you're i think you're right on there it's kind of refreshing to see them not necessarily copy someone right like not not necessarily go the expected route and and some people would say that same old lines you know doing something weird and, and they don't get it but the, the the less cynical part of me is shares that excitement where it's just like this is kind of intriguing there's not a lot of examples of, of teams even trying this so let's mm. see how it works yeah they're they're taking a lot from multiple successful organizations right they're not just trying to mimic one right and I, and, and that I think has a lot of potential because if one part of that system fails, you still have other parts that you can rely on from other organs. So it's a, it's a neat marriage of, uh, of philosophies that is coming together. I, I, it's, it's neat to watch. That's for sure. All right. Thank All right. you both very much. No problem, John. Thanks for the question. Let's move on to Nayan. Is that how you pronounce it? Nayan? Nayan. It's close. Na- uh, Nayan. Okay. Yeah. Android user here. So it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're here. Uh, loud and clear. So, uh, a question for you guys is: uh, How good? What metrics can be used to see if Jared Goff's season is good enough for uh, for Brad Holmes and the front office to not draft another quarterback? How good should he play to Ooh. get? get the front office away from the quarterback that's i i love this question because yeah i don't i don't know if it's possible to just put like a metric like he has to have a passer rating above this amount or yards per carrier or yards per attempt or, or completion percentage but 
Yeah, if if you had, I guess Eric, it, it's probably not win loss either. But like, no. if you had to put some sort of benchmark that he has to clear this year to, you know, show that he's potential, he's potentially that that uh, quarterback of the future, that franchise quarterback. What what is it? Uh, that's really hard, you know, yeah. because because it, just because from a statistical standpoint, it, it can be they can be so misleading. Um, you know, you could say completion percentage, but then if he's doing a lot of checkdowns, that's going to be high. You can right. say, um, you know, like it, it, you want him taking shots, but then again, those have uh, you know, a smaller success rate. I think it's really going to be about how he interacts with his team in in certain situations. Does the team falter when the pressure's on or when the the game is on the line? Um, It's a really tough question that I'm not sure that we can necessarily say this is the statistic that's going to – you know, like separate him a good season from a bad season. I, it, there's going to be a lot of like things that you, that you want to see like, um, area differential, which is one of those next gen stats. Like, is he getting more than, than is expected? Is he, uh, air yards to the sticks? Like, is he throwing the ball past the first down marker? Because, so he's trying to keep, you know, if he's going to be the dink and if he's going to dink and dunk in this offense, how is he aware of where that first down is and is he is he getting past it uh that was an issue a couple of years ago with cooter is all the plays were designed to be short of the six and then you were counting on yak and the lines weren't getting it and so then they were off the field a lot um i don't it's it's i don't think i can pinpoint just one if i i think i could i could answer the opposite of this question right like Mm-hmm. I, there are certain statistical benchmarks that he, if he hits, I know he's not the guy. And the one thing that I'm circling that I need to see improvement from is turnovers. Hundred yeah. percent turnovers. I mean, thirteen interceptions last year, sixteen the year before that. Twenty nine in two years is far, far, far too many. I love to see that number drop below ten. And um, you know, if 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 we're back up to fourteen, fifteen, I, I I think there's a big concern there because. I mean, it, it, your number one job as, as quarterback is to protect the ball. And if, if he's not doing that and it's, you know, three seasons in a row of him in the top ten of interceptions, that's a huge concern. Huge concern. And right now I think it's why – it's why I mean, it's probably why the Rams moved on from him, right? Like, there are a lot of yeah. issues there and there might be some chemistry issues with him and Sean McVay. But taking care of the ball is number one. And so if I don't see that number improve, I'm going to be very concerned. Well, I mean, it has to improve, right? Thank you for the intro, guys. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Uh, All right, we're going to take our first break here. When we come back, we're going to answer more of your questions about the lines, about OTAs, about whatever you guys want to talk about. So stick with us here on Locker Room Live. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back, Lions Q&A, here with my buddy Eric Schlitt, answering your questions about the Lions live on the Locker Room app. Let's go back to the call. We have such a huge line of guys. We're going to try to get through you all. Up next is Nick. Nick, how are you doing today? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. How are you all? Good, good. So um, this actually ties in with what you were talking about earlier, which is one, it seems like this franchise uh, puts or hopefully puts a lot of value on mid-round picks, or at least their success is tied to them hitting on those picks. Um, I'm just wondering, I'm looking at sort of the comp pick strategy. And this actually also ties in with what you were talking about earlier about coaches being promoted. Okay, so number one is I was hoping you could explain how sort of the diversity policy that the league put in place if one of our coordinators were to be hired as a head coach, whether that would result in comp picks. That's number one. Number two is whether you think Brad Holmes is trying to sort of put the Lions uh, into the position of being one of those franchises where, you know, every year they're getting comp picks. You keep the talent you have, or when you let people go, you know, you don't have to go into free agency. You're picking up comp picks. And then, Three, do you think sort of the signings of like Dunbar and Williams might, uh, what kind of comp picks, if they do well, might that bring back? And the last one is whether you think, what you think Crosby might get on the comp pick market, assuming we don't spend a ton in free agency next year. Hope all that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Comp pick talk. I know I know. Lions fans love comp pick talk, and, and mm-hmm. it is a legitimate strategy. I mean, we see teams like the, the Patriots use it all the time. Um, so do, do you want to jump into the explainer about the the – the diversity hire thing? Yeah, so if they have a minority uh, person that is hired by the organization and that person is promoted to either a GM position or a head coach position, then the Lions can get a third round. I think Is it, is it one or is it two third rounds? I think it's two, right? Uh, yeah, I think... I, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, and so... Candidates could be like, let's say Ray Agnew has a has a um, you know people like what they are seeing from the Lions drafting. Ray Agnew is the assistant GM. If someone hires him as the GM, the Lions would be in a position to to get a comp pick for that. Um, same thing would go with the any of the coordinators uh, and do Staley you know, as well. If, if Staley or Anthony Lynn or Aaron Glenn, if any of them were hired as head coaches then the Lions would be involved in, in the comp pick formula as well. Now, um, that being said, I, I don't think those coaches were hired with this in mind. I think they were just the best candidates for the job. Um, I think the comp pick strategy is, is one that successful organizations can utilize. Um, I don't know if we're going to see that Lions in that spot anytime in the, you know in the next few years at least. I, I you can't always afford to let your best players go, you know, and uh, especially when you're you're rebuilding. So I I think I'd like to see them be part of the comp pick situation, 
But at the same time, when you're rebuilding, uh, I think you have to let you have to be able to retain some of the talent that you've you've been grooming. So um, I know there are some other parts, but I want to let you weigh in, Jeremy, and I'll jump back in on a couple other thoughts. Well, I, I also wanted to provide one clarifier. And you, might, you might correct. I think I'm right, um, but mm-hmm. you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the the coach or a front office person has to be with the team for two years oh, for okay. them to get a compensatory pick. I, I think that's the case. So okay. um, they would have to stick around, obviously, for next year if, if we're talking sure. some of the Lions guys. Okay. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Um, I mean, compensatory thing is, is, is funny, right? Because I think a lot of people think, oh, you let a guy walk, you get compensatory picks. Mm-hmm. But it's a little more complicated than that because if you go out and start signing guys yourself, then that compensatory pick might not well, be anything. It, right. it could offset um, because the the way the formula works is guys you get in free agency minus the guys you let go in free agency essentially, um, and and the lines are going to start to have some money to spend and um, maybe maybe they get aggressive like like Brad Holmes you know saw with the Rams and and use draft picks instead of free agency but I mean if if all goes according to plan this team is going to start spending in free agency they they just are they're going to have the room to do it. And they're they're going to have you know the base of the roster that they need to to feel comfortable doing it, and so I, I do think we, I do think you know they are starting they they've taken that approach so far right you don't let Kenny Gallo the day walk unless you're like well he's going to be expensive and we can get a comp pick for it yeah let's let's get the comp pick I think that heavy that that was heavily influenced um, their their decision there. Um, and, and we know Brad Holmes values the draft. I mean, that, that's, that's his bread and butter. So, um, I, I, I think it will play into, to some of the, th- the decisions they make. Um, if we, if we want to get into some of the specifics on, on, you know, looking ahead, Quentin Dunbar, guys like that. I, I mean, it, it really depends, right? Everything kind of depends on how well they do. Yeah. 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 I, I, there, there's a reason that the lines were able to get them for fairly cheap one year deals that they, they've had a lot of questions in their past. I think it's kind of unlikely that one of these guys, you know, completely pops off and gets, you know, twelve million a year or anything crazy like that. But you know, if if they do relatively well, especially those guys in the secondary, because the Lions already have some young options that they're hoping progress to take over a, a Quinton Dunbar or Corn Elder or um, you know whoever. Um, but I, I'd be surprised if they get anything more than a fifth for for any of those guys, truly. Yeah, this year they have the Kenny's going to get him a third, and according to over the cap, they're expecting it to be the second of the third round pick. So that would mean pick ninety eight, right? right? So that's that contract that he got is going to get them a um, you know a top one hundred pick. Uh, Marvin is supposed to get them a fifth. Jamal Agnew is supposed to get them a sixth. Jared Davis's contract is canceled out by Jamal Williams. Matt Prater's contract canceled out uh, by Brashad Perryman. And so you end up with, it looks like we're going to get three picks this year. Now, next year's top candidates of the guys that are on expiring contract are, um, like you said, Dunbar, uh, Tyrell Williams, Brashad Perryman. Um, I don't know if Nick, Nick Williams would be in that conversation. He's on expiring. <laughs> tra- tra- Tracy Walker is going to be uh, if he has a good year. Um, and, and then again, it, yeah. maybe Crosby. Um, it depends on is it, how often is he used? What does the potential think? What kind of contract? I mean, if if one of these guys really breaks out, it's possible that that they can get a, a big deal. But thinking, you know, 
I, I don't think any of them is going to get like Kenny Galladay type money. You know what I mean? Like even right. if they even if they had a Pro Bowl year, I don't think they would get Kenny Galladay type of money. And, and so we have to kind of temper our expectations and, and say, okay, it's a fourth, and you know what what type of players are are going to be there in the fourth? And so I, I, I and my gut feeling is they've been storing capital to try and invest in next year's um, free agency period. So my guess is next year comp picks are not going to be considered as heavily, uh, but maybe the year after, right? Then you have some other guys uh, on the higher, more profile guys uh, like Jamie Collins uh, on an expiring contract. So um, uh, it's going to be something that factors in. I just don't know if it's going to be not something – in the next at least year or maybe next couple of years. No, yeah, that makes sense. It just it does seem to me like, you know, unlike the last regime who seemed mm-hmm. to uh, hate the people that they drafted, <laughs> you know, in terms of even the ones that were successful, like they resented their success, it seemed like, you know, they were they would trade slave for nothing. Or obviously they didn't re sign Glasgow. Things yeah. like that. And then they go on to the free agent market. So you let someone walk for nothing, homegrown talent. It seems like this regime's really uh, intent on keeping our homegrown talent. You know, obviously the early rag now, things like that. And so I, just, I see that. I can see what you're saying about, mm-hmm. you know, next year. But, I mean, I, at least I, I think that that's sort of part of their medium, long-term strategy. If things go well, it becomes a well-run organization. It's about keeping their talent and then potentially picking up those med-round picks sort of in the comp pick market. Anyway, that's what I'm hoping for, and that's that's what I see. I just was wondering if you all agreed. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's still very much a work in progress, but um, I would say it's definitely trending in the right direction so far. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate the call. Um, let's bring Zach aboard. Zach, are you there? Are you th- hey, guys. Hey. How you doing? Can you hear me? I'm good. How yeah. are you? Good, good. So I know that you guys all offseason have talked about our defense using the front seven at the front seven mauled after the Rams front with the back end mauled after the Saints secondary. Mm-hmm. And Eric, you put out an article about Tracy Walker this morning. I just mm-hmm. want to see where do y'all envision him as far as his breakdown snap by snap between free safety, box, slot. So I know he's going to have – he had a down year last year, but I really feel like he can have a breakout season this year depending on how well – He's coached up and how he's used. Can y'all explain that for me? Yeah. So, so the the safeties are it's a split safety system, which essentially means that um, one side of the defense can operate independently of the other side of the defense. Okay. So it's kind of like um, you can play single high from either spot, right? Um, the the I believe Tracy's going to be primarily like the free safety. And mm-hmm. then you'll see a competition with from guys like Marlowe and Harris from the strong safety. But because it's a split safety, Marlowe and Harris will – there will be situations, depending on the offensive set or if they put guys in motion or, or, or you know a variety of different things. Um, there's going to be situations where the free safety and strong safety roles will flip. And Will Harris may have to drop into like a free safety type of role, whereas Tracy drops down to uh, a strong safety. But the the big difference here is is that he's going to start the majority of the plays deeper. Yeah. And that's and then they will make adjustments based on what the offense is doing. In the last scheme, 
they would put him up in the box and then he would just float from one side of the box to the other. And he was constantly like trailing. Okay. Um, one of the things I mentioned in, in the article was that he was in a constant trail uh, position and coverage. And that's because they kind of, they dropped him in the box and then they asked him to play from the box in this situation with the split safeties. If a guy shifts, instead of like having to move your players, your defensive players to the other sides of the ball, you're basically just passing the assignment off to the other safety. And so the offenses can get, you know, cute with that and try and play matchup football with your safeties a little bit. So you have to be conscious of that and be able to uh, to make other adjustments. But the split safeties will allow Tracy to be more off the ball, uh, where he's more comfortable. It's a system he used in college, so he's familiar with it. Um the other safety spot, though, that's that's the real glaring, you know, eyesore on the, on this defense. But um, as far as Tracy goes, I think he's really primed to ha- have a much better season, be- just based purely on the fact that he's going to be uh, in a better spot uh, in this scheme. Yeah, and I I want to just pull the quote from him this week. Exactly. I mean, he was asked specifically, like, does this split? safety look does that that feel, fit your scheme your, your, your skill set better and and here's what he said it's great it's definitely a system that i ran in college so it's a lot of the similarities for me and i'm comfortable it allows me to not be in the box down by the linebackers every play i feel like for me that's great it's a blessing for me to be back high and you'll never know what i'm in i get to roam and i get to be me I mean, just I mean, he basically said what he's going to do. He's he's going to yeah. be kind of that that high look. He's and and because they do the split safety things, with the, which allows them to be in all sorts of different coverages that you can't tell pre snap. Um, he's he's just going to have every kind of thing at his at his disposal. And it's interesting because I remember last year they they surri- they signed Duran Harmon. And we're like, oh, that's great. It's going to free free up Tracy Walker to do anything. Well, it turns out they they essentially just put Duran Harmon where everyone thought Tracy Walker was going to be, which is at that kind of high-level position, able to roam around. And they said, Tracy Walker, you go be essentially another linebacker. And it didn't work at all. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just – I know that we're in, a, in the beginnings of a, of, a, of, a, of a rebuild and expectations are low, but just based off what the coaches are saying and what the players are saying, and we've got to be – bound for some type of bounce back year and just hearing what Tracy was saying uh, I, I, I can't believe I, I can't imagine it's going to be any any worse uh, than last year yeah I, I have to imagine you know after ever everything we've seen and heard from OTAs it seems like he's easily the biggest candidate for a bounce back year there, I don't think there's any question in my mind alright guys well I appreciate the time thank you thank you Zach appreciate it Tracy Tracy is Tracy is excitingly honest and open. And uh, while he doesn't like to throw anyone under the bus, um, you know, he will tell you if he, you know, if he likes it or not. And and you can I mean, he's he's an emotional guy and you can kind of read between the lines with him quite a bit, uh, especially when we get to talk to him in person. So um, he's he's real. he's, He's a real easy guy to root for. Yeah, and yeah. his 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 excitement is real. Like you, you see a lot of guys this time of year saying, you know, this this could potentially be our year. We're building something special. Blah blah blah. Like you can tell both last year he was not feeling it, and this year he absolutely yeah. is. Yep, agreed. All right, appreciate the question, Zach. Let's move on to our good friend Dan is on the line. Dan, how you doing, dude? Oh, Dan, are you there? He's there. 
Uh, we need Ryan to chant for him again. again. Oh, that's hello. right. Hello, hello. Sorry about that. It, it came out of the blue. It came out of the blue. I'm sorry. You know, you, ever since the Android beta, you had so many people. I wasn't sure. So, sorry about that. No worries. Well, I had a question, and it, as, as, as these things go along, they sort of morph. But I think I'm sticking to it. I'm, I'm kind of stealing the tight end coach's thing about uh, chewing something off the bone. But I want to. Is it okay to just? Talk about the linebackers a little bit more because yeah. I remember you talking about the Raz for Tavai, and I went and back and obviously thanks to Math Bomb for all the Razes, and I went back and looked at Jamie Collins's and uh, Trey Flowers, mm-hmm. and they're quite disparate, you know, like in the fours for Tavai, and like nine, a really good number for Jamie, and I think it was like seven or eight for Trey, and and it sort of seems like linebackers are two hundred thirty pounds to sort of, I guess, 270 pounds. And, and mm. it sort of tied into the other stuff you're saying about, is it true? I mean, can we believe that we're going to be less understandable, like defensively, than we've been in the past? And, and I guess, like, it seems with, the, with Trey being an outside linebacker in certain situations and, and him being 270 pounds, he is more, he's got explosion, like great explosion from the rest, so he won't be have the same issues as Tavai, but obviously in coverage, it's still going to come down to speed and stuff. So... Is it okay just to just uh, like what, talk about what you think is going to happen in the middle, and it might involve Corn Elder and stuff, or maybe even Iffy or stuff like that? Thanks. Yeah, good question there. Um, there's a lot going on there, and and we we saw some hints of of it in in practice on Thursday. I don't know how much we should really reveal because I know some schematic stuff they don't really like us talking about, but. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, one one of the most interesting quotes I heard, and I can't remember if it was from, I think it was from Dan Campbell. It had to have been from Dan Campbell, where he was just like, if we can get a guy who's 220 pounds and can run like hell, we want him at linebacker. And to yeah. me, that 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 kind of made me pull the reins back a little bit on the Jelani Tavai hype, because, yeah, he's down 20 pounds, but he's still 248, 247, whatever it is, and I'm not... I'm not sold on his speed quite yet, but um, if you want to get into to your observations, either from OTAs or from quotes or whatever, um, what's your thoughts on kind of the, how the lines are going to use those linebackers this year? Yeah, he said, yeah, he said, I think 5'11", 220 or something like that. It was Campbell. Um, yeah. And, and the first guy that popped into my head was uh, the undrafted kid, Devontae Beckett, who is mm-hmm. exactly 220 pounds. I think he's 5'10", though. But uh, regardless, <laughs> um you know, he got some run with some of the the, the, the higher up guys in this camp. Uh, the big thing for me here is is I think understanding the differences between inside linebackers and outside linebackers in this scheme. The yeah. outside linebackers in this scheme are going to be bigger. They're going to be the guys that live between 255 pounds, 270 pounds. And, and, and those are the guys that are primarily going to pass rush. Trey Flowers, uh, both the Aquaras, Austin Bryant, right? Um, standing them up up allows them to not have to engage the offensive tackle as quickly and it allows them to rely more on their athleticism in order to uh, manipulate the edge and so those types of guys 
they will drop into coverage to keep offenses honest, but that's not really going to be primarily what their what their focus is. The guys that are going to be in coverage are, are your inside linebackers, which is your Jamie Collins, Derek Barnes, Anzalone. All of those guys have razes that are like right at eight or above eight, which is in the above average category. Tavai's is really low. Tavai was also hurt. Uh, if you recall, he injured his shoulder and he was rehabbing his shoulder and didn't have time to train properly for his pro day. So his pro day was underwhelming. Uh, I think he's more athletic than what his Raz indicates, but he's still not near the athlete that, that he could be. Um, and, and the same thing with Jalen Reeves, Maven. he's he was also injured. And so you saw a kind of a down uh, Raz score from him as well. But primarily those off the ball guys, they're going to be looking to add guys who can run. And you have to be able to run and cover. And Tavai, I think, is situationally going to be usable in that. But I don't know how often. I, I'm still a little skeptical. But um, Collins, Anzalone, Barnes, Dion Hamilton, uh, Reeves, Maben, Beckett, Pittman, all those guys have pretty good speed or, you know, play speed anyways. And so – that's what they're going to be targeting. So when we start looking at like what types of linebackers are they going to be targeting in the future, um, that's really what we want to be looking for. We want to be looking for RAS scores over eight. We want to be looking at guys who uh, have you know higher coverage and 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 not as focused about you know the run. Um, guys that can cover and then and blitz like Derek Barnes, that's going to be kind of the the goal for the the inside and the linebacker guys. Now. Um, you also mentioned Dan also mentioned like like are they going to rely more on uh, like uh, defensive backs right yeah there's going to be a lot of times when they pull the nose or maybe they pull one of their edge rushers and and, and shift the D line and then they're going to use their uh, safeties more yep. or maybe they're going to use their corners more uh, there were times that we were looking at what looked like a base defense, but they actually were in dime because of, uh, because of their, they had three safeties and three corners on the field. And, and that's part of it. The defense is, is going to be able to adjust and not just adjust to the personnel, but adjust to what the offense is. You know, if they, like I said earlier, if they put guys in motion and whatnot. So, um, they're going to be creative about how they start utilizing, um, you know, the the players at the linebacker level. And a lot of the time it will be linebackers, and, and some of the time it will be those defensive backs as well. It is, well, th- thanks very much. I, it's funny, you know, because, I mean, when you get to 220, I mean, are you really that far from, like, a safety or something like that? Right. But it's sort of it's, – it's interesting. It's, it's almost like and, – and if I could have this follow-up and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll sign off. But it's almost like Schrodinger's box. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> everything is sort of – it really does pan out to be really kind of good. And and, I, and it's one of those, like, it's the first date or something like that because this season's going to be exciting and really, really – it's going to be an emotional roller coaster I mean, if, they, if they do well, if they do shit, if they do anything, <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? But so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah, lots of tissues. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just have to make sure not to, to jump to judgment too much because, again, we are dealing with the, what will be at least a little bit of an awkward offseason with, with COVID, and it'll be all these guys' first time in, in the scheme and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, if, if things don't go right, right away with with the scheme i i just hope that lions fans don't be like wow this coaching staff was overhyped they're crap blah 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 um 
you know, they're, they're also dealing with, with not the greatest talent and not the greatest depth. So um, you're right. It's going to be kind of an emotional roller coaster. And I, with all the optimism that's hanging around the franchise right now, even with the acknowledgement that they're, they're not going to be that good, I think once you get to the point where they start losing the games, they might start, you know, fans might get frustrated just because you kind of lose sight of that once you're in the midst of everything, I guess. No, for sure. For sure. Thanks again. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate the question. The great question. And, and uh, yeah, I I don't really think I have anything to add to Eric other than we did see, uh, we did see Trey flowers drop into coverage once during OTAs and it did not go well. Uh, Yeah. But that's that again, that's to be expected. When you, yeah, I mean, when you're up against DeAndre Swift, I, th- I think we were talking. I'm not sure if there's really anyone out there that can really handle DeAndre Swift one on one that isn't a cornerback or isn't a safety. So, um, t- <laughs> tough spot to put him in. But you know, um, every now and then we're, we're probably going to see him in in a, a place where he's a mismatch. But I think the idea there is just to be unpredictable, right? Um, yeah. ho- hopefully, you drop into coverage and and the quarterback doesn't see it and might throw it right at you. Look, if if you go into your base and you have three down linemen and then you have both Flowers and Aquara in the field, you can't always rush five. You just can't. You know, yeah. like it, it, you'll you'll have too many bad mismatches behind you, and so you'll have to be able to drop one. But you can in most you know that's the fun part of the three fours. You don't know where the drop's coming from. Exactly. All right, uh, let's take our second break here. We're we're running behind schedule, believe it or not. What? <laughs> uh, but we got a bunch of you still on the line. We want to get to as much of you as possible. So stick with us on our lines Q and A right here in the locker room app. And we are back to close things out here on our Lions Q&A session right here live on the Q, on the, on the Locker Room app, uh, now available in beta on, on uh, Android. Hopefully we got some beta users here. If you do, I'd love to hear from you in the chat. Um, but let's, uh, let's jump back to Jeremy. Let's see if, if we got Jeremy on the line. Can you hear us, Jeremy? Yes, I am beta testing from a mile high here, so you know. Nice. That altitude the altitude probably affects it. <laughs> that must be um, it. but yeah, I yeah, I just I have a simple question. I'm a Lions fan chugging Kool-Aid by the keg here. When are we gonna see some padded practices? I wanna see this trenches that they're building. Uh yeah, I, I think I think by rule. Uh, they can't do it until training camp. Is that right? We're not going to see the mandatory mini camp next week, are we? I don't believe so. Yeah, I think it's training camp, unfortunately. Yeah. So we're going to have to hold our breath a little longer. Yeah, and and we don't have training camp schedule out yet, but typically that is the the last week or so in in July through uh, the early part of August. But yeah, unfortunately, um, if you're looking for offensive and defensive line play, and I know a lot of you guys are, and, and understandably so, because that's where the Lions put a lot of investment in, um, yeah. we're not really going to see how that has paid off until at least I would say late Jan- late July. All right. Well, great to know that I can finally connect with you guys on a Saturday morning. Y'all have a great weekend. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it. And and you too. Enjoy it up there in the mile high. All right. Let's move on to our next. Edward is back on the line. Edward, how are we doing? Doing good. Can you guys hear me? Yep. I'm clear. All right. Yeah. Another uh, beta tester here. Nice. Glad glad to see it's working. Yep. Uh, My my question is, uh, again, Jeremy, thanks for helping me out with that post on uh, Detroit. Uh, Of course. I, I mentioned something in that article 
that uh, intrigues me, and Eric kind of touched on it just a minute ago. Why not rush five at once? Like a five-two defense that looks like a four-three might might confuse some people. What are your uh, thoughts on that? If you want to elaborate further on that, Eric. Yeah, yeah, I. I think they will rush five at times. Uh, I just think you can't rush five all the time, right? And, and, and so having five is, is going to be a luxury. Like there's going to be times when they're going to be a standard like two down and then your two edges, and then they're still going to drop one of the edges because they're going to blitz one of the off-the-ball linebackers. So they're going to con- – the days of like just bringing three I think are gone, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and and oh, I think we're going to be seeing more f- – four man fronts or you know more of them bringing four on a consistent basis but then also bringing five in a variety of different ways um in practice we've seen that a little bit where uh we've seen them bring different guys off the edge that weren't the outside linebackers okay With, if, if i can say that <laughs> way, way to be very careful there <laughs> yes um, so uh i mean look i don't think Eamon's listening but if he is i gotta i gotta be careful uh <laughs> but yeah i i there are a variety of different ways that i think they're going to utilize uh bringing that fifth guy and you can take advantage of that uh, with this style of defense. Yeah, and, and I, the thing that that I feel like I noticed from specifically this Thursday is just that, like, I feel like they are going to be very unpredictable from where they're bringing that pressure, and that felt like it almost never happened under Matt Patricia. It felt like everything was very, very straightforward. They didn't send a lot of blitzes, and when they did, they were kind of telegraphed. I think we're going to see something yeah. way different when it comes to, to bring pressure this year. And I know that's going to get everyone excited. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm excited. That's what uh, I was breaking down when I was going through everything, fighting that, that post. Uh, just excited to see what this new defense can do and just having new people in there to put, put our guys in better position. It, it could be a drastic improvement in that alone. Yeah. I mean, I, I think – I think you're going to see a drastic change in year one. And and hopefully, I mean, you can't really go much further down than they did last year. I, I, I do think we'll see an improvement. And, and yeah, I, I think, you know, everything goes right. It could be a drastic improvement. I don't want to I don't want to talk up the defense too much this early when, like, you, like we said, you know, no pads are even on or anything. But it, it does seem like this coaching staff gets the very simple concept that you put you, the players in the best place where they can specifically succeed. And and we talked about it a bunch with Tracy Walker. We're, we we hear it from the cornerbacks, how excited they are. Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda almost speaks exactly like Tracy and Walker in that, like, he's telling you what, what he means and he's being legitimate, but he's also not, like, directly throwing anyone under the bus while kind of doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but thanks for the question, Edward. Appreciate it. And uh, all the support that you you give across all of our platforms. Uh, I appreciate seeing you around here as well. Um, so appreciate that. I love the community we're building here. Um, let's move on to CJ. Uh, CJ. Are you there, CJ? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, so I'm going to move to the other side of the ball real quick. I have a couple questions about um, Geronimo Allison. is a guy that doesn't really get talked about too much. Is he a guy? How do you see him fitting in the offense? Because I know with the additions we brought in, they're looking at they like a lot of speed. It seems like Campbell and um, Glenn uh, love this like 
they love speed, shorter guys with speed. So I was kind of wondering how he fits. And then as well as I saw we signed uh, Michael Warren yesterday. How does that fit in with the talks um, with um, Todd Gurley? Uh, you want to take Geronimo Elson, Eric? Yeah. Um, so uh, let me tell a quick story. We were uh, when we were at practice. Uh, yes, a couple of days ago, uh, you looked at me and you said, "I haven't seen anything from Quentin Cephas yet." And then he proceeded to catch like two of the next three balls, <laughs> right? And, yep. and so he must have heard you or something, right? But like, um, he, I think he ended up catching like three. He was one of only like three or four guys. I think there were only three guys that caught more than two passes, and he was one of them. Yeah. And so um, there's a role for that Quinton Cephas type of player, which is a guy who can play outside and be a big slot, right? I think they have these kind of envisioned roles for certain guys. You want They want two outside guys that can that can fly, and they have that Williams and Perryman. They want a, a uh, slot guy who can you know uh, be efficient up the middle, but it's also quick. You've got that in St. Brown and Raymond. I also think they want they want a guy who can be a outside or big slot, and Cephas can be that. That's also where Geronimo Allison succeeds, and that's also where Sage Sherratt succeeds. And so those three guys, in my opinion, are really competing against each other for that one role. And with that role, it's going to be at best wide receiver four, and it might even be wide receiver five. So now you're going to have to start looking at – how are they contributing on special teams? Because you're going to need that. Wide receiver five is going to have to make his living on special teams as well. So I do think there's a role for an Allison, but he's got two guys that um, are, are you know have a good shot of, of beating him for that role. Cephas uh, had a nice day. I don't think I didn't see Allison catch a ball, uh, and then I saw Sirac get manhandled by Akuda a few times. Uh, but Cephas, I think he had at least three catches that I can recall. And then, uh, yeah, I guess as for for Michael Warren, the the free agent they signed uh, this week, I, I honestly I don't see that affecting Todd Gurley at all. Based no. on everything we we heard from the coaches, it does sound like Todd Gurley's still a priority right now. I wouldn't be surprised to see them move on him quickly at this point. I know it's been over a week since they had him in, but um, it, considering Dan Campbell was very outright in saying like, "Yes, we're still interested in him a week later." Makes me believe that that he's eventually going to get it done. We haven't even heard him visit anywhere else. Um, I, I think really Michael Warren just kind of fills the void left by Raheem Boyd. Um, they need to body there. They, you know, watching the running backs practice, it was I, I kept waiting to see like someone come out from the locker room because there's only what five or six guys there. You know, they didn't have Nick Bowden out there either. Yeah. Obviously, now he's he's waived. Um, so I, I think I think Michael Warren. And again, I hate using this term because it's very dismissive of the person himself, but yep. just kind of a camp body. Yep. It, the way I when we looked at the rookies, Jefferson, Boyd, and Mills, all three of them won in the same way. They were one cut guys who could hit the hole and then get some yardage after the hole. So they were almost redundant, right? And then you add in the fact that Boyd couldn't stay healthy, They, they and they, they got rid of one of those three guys that were basically all the same, and they picked up now a guy who's a short, a short area bruiser, which is something they didn't have. So it looks like, to me, that they're just creating variety amongst their defensive backs. You got to remember they all they lost Carrion Johnson, now Boyd and uh, Bowden, and they've only signed Warren. So I do think there's room for another running back somewhere. Okay, makes sense. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. No problem, CJ. Thanks for the call. Yeah, no problem. All right, final stretch here. We got three more callers here. Let's start with Dwayne first. 
Hey, how's it going? Good, man. Good. Good to talk to you guys. I feel stupid because I've been listening the whole time, and now it's like you've been answering my questions about the defense. But my question <laughs> is, is like, okay, you re-sign Romeo Okora. You have Michael Brockers. You're moving Trey Flowers to the outside, but you still have Julian Okora, who to me was the rush end type of linebacker. He doesn't appear to be to be like a uh, space and chase guy. You yeah. have Barnes. So I'm just a little confused about this rotation as far as, like, you know, what is this front seven really going to look like? Um, and, um, I mean, obviously, and you still have the uh, McNeil and Anzarike. So it seems like it's it's a little redundant. Do you expect that all these guys will be retained? Or, you know, could one of these guys be like a cut? Like, I, I don't see the logic in putting Trey Flowers at linebacker. I, I And to hear that it didn't go well against DeAndre Swift, I don't think it's going to go well against anybody asking him to stand up and chase him. So <laughs> I was just wondering what that uh, rotation is going to be. Yeah, and it's a fair question. I think I think with Trey Flowers specifically, I think I think maybe it's best not to even consider him as a linebacker because, like Eric said, like yes, he'll have occasional snaps where he's he's dropping into coverage and and covering a, a running back, and it's not going to be the greatest matchup for the Lions. But I think more often than not, you, you're just going to see him pass rush from from a little bit further off, and that's going to give him more space to work, more more time to use all the athletic traits that he has. But but I do want to talk about Julian Okwara because it does kind of feel like he's a little bit of the odd man out right now. Obviously, the Lions are going to rotate their edge guys, and he'll get some snaps. But, you know, considering they spent, what, it was a third-round pick, right, on him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't seem like necessarily he's he's headed for a role that, that maybe a third-round pick should. Is that fair, what? Eric? Yeah. Uh, so so let me let me just kind of – if I can, to explain where I think Julian fits in, let me just kind of overview the defense really fast. In my opinion, with the 3-4 base, they're going to have three down defensive linemen, but they're only going to be utilizing those three down guys about 50% of the time. The other 50% of the time, there's only going to be two down defensive linemen. And so – in some situations, you're going to have three down defensive linemen and then two edge rushers, which are considered outside linebackers. But really, they're just defensive ends that stand up. And that's what Trey Flowers is, is going to be. When you lose that third down defensive lineman, you're basically just having a four-man front, but your edges are just standing. That's really the, the only difference here. Okay, um, When you have those five guys on the line, you might only have one linebacker. Or maybe if you have two linebackers, you're only going to have uh, four secondary players. So it's going to be – they're going to need they, – the reason that they need th- this depth is because they're going to alternate between a three-man uh, – three-down lineman or two-down lineman, and then they have to be able to flex with the guys behind them. Now, as far as Aquara goes, uh, there's going to be times like – that they're going to shift Trey Flowers inside into a down position. And when that happens, Aquara is the natural guy to be the, the stand-up guy on the outside. So you may say maybe he's just going to be a nickel-type pass rusher, but that might be his role just to begin. But uh, I think he's still going to be in a developmental stage, and he's going to, but he's also going to be part of the rotation of in, in a typical, uh, in their standard 3-4 base as well. So He's going to be part of the two deep, right? You're going to have Flowers and, and, and Julian. You're going to have Romeo, and maybe it's Austin Bryan or Charles Harris on the other side at the edges. Your down guys are going to be Anzuorke, Hand, McNeil, Penasini, Brockers, and, and probably Williams. Uh, and then 
that's your front kind of five that will really most of the half the time will only be your front four. So, and, and I think Julian will be part of that rotation, but also have some other skill sets. I do think he has the, the ability to develop into a, uh, a chase type player, like an off the ball. And maybe he'll get some training in that to um, kind of like Jamie Collins did uh, in his career, like that kind of career arc. But for now, I still think he's going to be kind of in a rotational situational role. Okay. All right, cool. That that answers the question. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Thanks, Wayne. Appreciate it. Uh, great question. And uh, I like I like breaking down the X's and O's. I know it's probably hard without a visual aid for for some of you, but um, yeah, I, I I love talking it, and and we're all really curious about it. So, all right, final two. We're gonna hammer these home uh, really quick. Our friend Nathan is finally back. Nathan, are you there? There you are. Hey guys. <laughs> What's up, man? Oh, nothing much, man. It's been a minute. Yeah. How you been? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, so, Jeremy, you went to the you went to the OTAs, right? Yep, I went to last week and this week as well. Okay. But uh, Eric was there this week as well. Okay, awesome. So I can ask this question to both of y'all. Yeah. Can you guys give me your three top observations of what you've seen in OTAs compared to? Um, I don't know if y'all went to last uh, the last regime's OTAs. Um. What have you seen so far? Like, what are your top three observations that you've seen? I, I, th- I think Eric and I share a lot of these. Um, we obviously oh, we didn't have oh. – o- uh, well, I mean, we, we shared them behind the scenes. I don't mean we shared them on the site or anything necessarily. But, um, yeah, they obviously didn't have – surprising observations? Surprising? <laughs> I, honestly, I think my the most surprising thing that I saw up there was Mark Brunel getting into it. Because, <laughs> I don't know, I, I – I, I didn't really have a preconceived notion of him, but it wasn't that he was going to be one of the, like the loud, super energetic coaches. I mean, this is the first time coaching in the NFL. Um, he seems very chill. Yeah. Yeah. He, he <laughs> maybe it's because of the press conference. He seems very chill, but he was, he was in there like, and, and not in a mad way, more of a, just like energetic, like I like, like he wanted to be in the drills himself. And obviously I think that's, that's something that you can see of, of pretty much all of the coaching staff. I think one of the more interesting moments um, was Deuce Staley, like getting in Alex Anzalone's face after he got beat by, uh, but that was the Jamal Williams, Williams one, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Deuce Staley, he, I mean, he's, he's, he's talking trash like he's a player. And so, um, it, it's, they are it's, players. It, yeah, they, they're surprising. former players. They still, yeah, they still have that gene in them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, drastically, drastically. Dr- other than other than um, Robert Prince, um, you know, we we didn't see that at all from the previous regime. So I think that was um, the thing that stuck out with me, especially especially Brunel. I did not expect it coming from him. Yeah, I think the the whole balance of allowing them to be relaxed while also maintaining. Uh, some competitiveness and intensity is something the last regime just lacked, right? They were all intensity all the time. Don't make mistakes. Go, 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 go. This team, uh, this coaching staff's approach is vastly different, yet they still are able to uh, maintain that that level of competitiveness that I think the other regime was thinking they might lose if they ever took their foot off the gas. And so um, that whole approach to – Acknowledging uh, positivity, positive plays loudly, and then correcting mistakes quietly was again another drastically opposite thing from the from the last regime. Um, you know, as a you, you never want 
to if you want to be a player's coach, you have to be able to reward positively and, and scold negative or scold quietly, and, and that's that's what this regime does. And, and last one, it was it, it got progressively worse, right, as the years yeah. went on, right? Like it, it started out where it was like intense, and then there was just a lot of happiness, and then the next season we saw there was a little bit more negativity, and by the third season it was like they, people just getting straight yelled at, and like uh, it, it was. It, you know, you think back on it and it was like, you could kind of see it. Like, you know what I mean? In that third year, mm-hmm. we, we kind of knew this is what they needed to do. And then it, they looked like they were in, in, in panic mode a bit, like, oh, we've got to make this work or we're in trouble. And they were, it, it was a, it was a strange way of coaching and it was different than what I, you know, was familiar with. And, and this coaching staff has found that balance early and um it seems like they've been able to maintain it they i saw it in rookie camp saw it last week as well so um you know it's 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 there's a lot of intensity without like having to like bury people because they make a mistake <laughs> from my um from my understanding and 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 uh, listening to all the uh the press conferences from the players and all that the ones that have been here before I just feel like a rejuvenation. I feel like they're more excited. They're having fun to where the new people that haven't been here, they don't really have an opinion yet. But I feel like the guys that have been here, like the Walkers, the the Swifts, like they won't overtly say it, but you could tell in their voice and the tone that the last two teams sucked. And they're (laughs) like, this is a new, this is a new beginning for us, a new fresh start. And we're enjoying it. We're having fun. We like Dan Campbell's, you know, wearing the helmet at the press conference. We like, we like the the, the camaraderie between the offense and defensive coaches. Like, is that fair to say? Yeah. Oh, no, it is early. No, I mean, no question. I think I think the three poster poster guys for for that are T.J. Hawkinson, Jeff Okuda, mm-hmm. and Tracy Walker. <laughs> so those guys have have come as close to saying all that stuff you just said, that the previous regime sucked, that, that they're having a lot more fun, that they're, they're buying in, all that sort of – I mean, and he, you, I don't know if, if, if anyone saw this on, on Twitter yesterday, uh, but Car- on Johnson over at Eagle – like there was a photo of on oh, Johnson article, yeah. Yeah, yeah, laughing like crazy at, at, at Eagle's camp, and, and he, he you know, put a, a, a tweet under it that said, it's the first time I've laughed at practice in years. Like, oh, that's man. it. That's it. Yeah. These guys are, are finally enjoying themselves. And the, the, the key that I hear out of the players is this, it's this phrase, and we've heard it from several players now. I finally get to be myself. Mm-hmm. And that to me is huge. That's huge. Mm-hmm. It, it's, this is a mental game. And if you're trying to be someone you're not, trying to play a position you're not comfortable with, trying to, you know, just, you know, mentally, I don't know, just subside through this, this tough regime, like, you're not going to play well, and everyone is, is right. just more loose. That's that's the word I've really been trying to to describe these practices. Is everyone seems looser, and and I think that's going to result in better play. Yeah, hopefully it equates to wins. I mean, I think that's every Lions fans, you know, understanding that. Yeah, we can have fun and we can have a better atmosphere, but you know, we got to put dubs on the on the scoreboard. You know, Absolutely. maybe not this year, but next year and going forward. But yep. it's good to hear. I mean, as a Lions fan. I almost, I'm, I almost feel bad for the players from last year because, like, I feel like you know if you're if you ever had a, a really tough teacher that you just hated going to class all the time, 
and you felt like you never really learned anything because they never made it enjoyable. And yep. now you have a teacher who's like cool as hell that you like, man, I want to go to this class. You know, this, this is an awesome class and I'm going to get a lot out of it because I like this teacher. I feel like that's how the, how the, the, um, the, the, the football players feel like this is a new fresh start. And Dan Campbell is, is like the opposite spectrum of Matt Patricia. Like, no question. So, yeah. So. I think that's a great analogy. I think that's perfect. Awesome, but, guys. Well, hey, it was good to hear from you all. Um, I'm trying to be on here more consistently, but I'll be honest with you, Jeremy. Uh, you guys get on early, bro, and I'm in the, I'm, I'm in central time. So, <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're a bunch of early risers over here, but we're, we'll try to be a little more consistent with it in the future. Uh, I appreciate it, man. Keep up your work, y'all. Thanks, Nathan. You know, Jeremy, the one thing – uh, that I thought was interesting was the fact that the the you know we've been avoiding or we've been kind of dancing around being able to what we can say and what we can't say right right and um, one of the other beat writers had said to us I, I um, you know if I I imagine that the uh, those some of those restrictions are going to be scaled back because the fans would want to hear more of these positive things that we're seeing that we're just not allowed to say, you know what I mean? Like, so as much positive things as, as we're saying, there's, there, there's others, there's other things too (laughs) that are positive that we are not allowed to say. And so, you know, I, it'd be, it's going to be interesting to see how they, um, how they start working with us. Uh, they've been giving us more and more freedoms. I've had more freedom. We've had more freedoms this year than yeah. we had at any point uh, in the last three, right? So, yeah. Um, and pl- I mean, plus they're giving up information themselves. Like, yeah, they're, yeah these they're saying, hey, are we're very, are very transparent, <clears throat> more so than I've ever heard coaches in the past. They're very honest and they're very uh, transparent. Yeah. And they're like, like Dan Campbell, like, that guy's very truthful. I mean, he, he don't play around. Like, Todd Gurley, like, he, when he said he was interested in Todd Gurley, like, I think he said more than he probably should. But I don't think that I think they allow him to do that. Matt Patricia would never have said that. He was at oh, of well, course we're looking not. into him. You know. Yeah. No. Him. I mean, I, I remember. I remember right after that press conference ended, we all kind of turned around, turned to each other and said, "Did he just talk about a free agent that they're interested in?" Exactly. <laughs> in disbelief, like is that did that just happen? And yeah, it's it's a completely different feel. And again, um, you know, off season we tend to overhype and just kind of assume every every correction, no, every fans, every man. change is 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 good. But it, it does feel – I mean, this team's just going to be more fun. No no the question about it. It's going to be more fun. There's no doubt. Yep. Well, the local media is going to love them, I guess. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see about the, the national media. But, I'm uh, about those people, man. <laughs> good call. All right. Uh, let's get to our last caller who's been waiting ever so patiently, Michael. Michael, are you there? I am here. Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks for waiting. You're doing great. Thanks for holding on for me. Um a request and then a hot take. Request okay. is Ooh, okay. Request is there's a few of us California Lions fans out here. Any <laughs> thoughts about doing something when uh, the Lions play the Rams out here in California? Man, that is a great question. And uh, I, I spent nine years in, in Los Angeles myself, so I, I've kind of been going back to the the past couple weeks of, of whether I want to come out there and, and spend maybe a week there to to not only catch the game but to to catch up on on some people there. Um, so I, I, your answer is maybe. Um, obviously, uh, Chris Perfett, the, the the host of the the regular POD cast, he lives out there and he I know he's planning to go to the game. Um, but yeah, I I'd love I'd love to because I. I it seems like every time we do one of these things, we get at least four or five callers from the West Coast, and I know a lot of you are probably going to go to that game for for a bunch of different reasons. 
Um, but but yeah, I, I would like to maybe potentially set something up. So uh, we'll see. Okay, then I have a hot take that uh, really outside the box. I think I think that this year's wide receiver room is better than last year's. And now hear me out. Galladay and Jones and Amadola couldn't get separation if, if they were being guarded by a paper bag. There was zero, <laughs> zero separation. There were drops because there was separation. There were passes because there was zero separation. There were critical drive-ending plays because there was no separation, and the DBs were all over them. This year's class – they can all uh, receivers. They can all get separations out of your mouth last uh, week. Uh, you said Williams could have a thousand yard season. Mm-hmm. I look back at Perryman. Perryman had zero drops in 2019. He gets separation. His last three or four games played for the Jets were all 100 yard games. Um, we've got some nice talent. Cephas that was underutilized last year. I mean, when they put Cephas in the game, he got separation. And so they decided they weren't going to use him anymore. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I think that by letting the guys walk from last year, they were made good because Stafford was so awesome. He could get the ball into windows that most people can't. Um, realistically, golf doesn't have that arm. But if the guys get open and the guys don't drop passes – we're a, we're ahead of, we're a step up from last year. I I actually think you have a very good point with that last point. I do think this set of receivers is better suited to Jared Goff's skills than than maybe the previous um, set of receivers. I, I do think that I think in terms of like just chemistry and 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 fit, I think that's true. But I think I would push back a little bit on on, on saying um, this this wide receiver set is is better. Um, I'll, I'll let you get into it first, Eric, because um, I, I feel like you're probably on my side there. But uh, I'm curious <laughs> to, to hear what you have to say there. No, I you basically stole my thunder because I was going to say they're better suited for yeah. this quarterback. Um, I I do. I do think if Stafford was this was still the quarterback of the Lions, we wouldn't be talking about this receiver class being at the same level as the last class. But but Stafford was really the, the separator here. Um, you need speed guys for golf, and you and I think they've they've done a nice job of sprinkling talent around him. Uh, but in my opinion, I think that the thing that's going to be the most telling is that. They're probably going to lean on the tight ends and the running backs before they go to the receivers in a lot of situations. And, and I think that it kind of will point to the fact that this this receiver group isn't quite as talented uh, as, as last year's where this, the receivers were the priority. Um, but I do absolutely agree that it's a it's a better suited receiver group for this uh, style of quarterback. Yeah, and, and, and the thing I'll add is that we still haven't seen these receivers prove it kind of in a, in a long-term sense. Like I'm high on Tyra Williams. I, I, you're right in that. I predicted he, he could very well hit a thousand yards this year, but he also has to prove it that he can do it as a number one receiver, right? He's going to be going up against the best of the best in terms of cornerbacks this year. And, and really with Rashad Perriman, like he's, he's got a lot to prove, right? Um, yeah. You know, he, he might not drop the ball a lot, but he, does he have more than 600 yards, 700 yards in a season? I, I don't think he does. Um, and, and, you know, 
he's he's already been labeled as a bust by by some people so he's going to be coming with a chip on his shoulder but he, he just doesn't have the proven production of let's say a, a marvin jones where i i don't i don't know if brashad perriman can bail jared goff out of out of a, a you know a non-perfect pass no I, so I, yeah i agree I th- i'm gonna say I th- both of these receivers these outside receivers are going are, are going to play a valuable role in this scheme that won't include catching the ball in a lot of situations, and that'll be stretching the field, keeping yeah. the secondary uh, open. Uh, Perryman's best year as a pro was when Antoine Randall was the assistant wide receivers coach in Tampa Bay in 2019, right? right? And um, so he's familiar with them. You know, we saw it at practice. Uh, he, he had a couple of really nice catches. I, there's going to be – I actually wouldn't be surprised if Perryman ended up having the better season just because – he just seems to fit golf a little bit better in my, uh, just from, you know, what I'm ascertaining here, but yeah, their role, those outside guys, they're, they're going to have a lot of, uh, value because of their speed and size that won't show up in the box score. There you go. I I, I think, I think that's enough wide receiver hype as we can give them at this point in time. (laughs) Yeah. Appreciate the yep. question and, and the hot take, Michael. Uh, always like uh, spring an interesting discussion like that. And thank you, everybody, including those who, who joined the show for the first time using the, the Android app. Uh, we, we had a full house today, and because of it, we went way over just like Eric predicted. Although, you know what? I, I think I think Eric was overcompensating for Ryan not being here and, and, and going long on his answers just to prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe you just let me get. I, I, have, I have a problem where I just keep talking. It's, it's a bad habit. <laughs> well, if you want to join us next time, make sure you download the locker room app now available on the Android app and a beta process, and make sure you follow Pride of Detroit on the app. But until next time, I'm Jeremy Reisman. That's Eric Schillett. It's chaos, everybody. Be kind. <laughs> 